Starting with verse 1, continue our verse-by-verse study, Exodus chapter 31. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name. Those of you who are called by the Lord, you've been called by name. By name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood, and to make all manner of workmanship. And I indeed have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach, the tri- of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils, and the laver in its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons to the minister as priest, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Now, I'm not going to ask you to, I was going to ask you to turn to these passages, but I let the video go another five minutes. I will read these, but listen, just listen closely with your ears. You don't have to turn. You may want to write the places down and go back and listen. I want to take just a second. This man and the men like him was filled with the Spirit of God. Filled overflowing, filled with the Spirit of God. I want to take just a quick footstep through the Scriptures. I could show dozens and dozens and dozens of verses, but I just want to read a couple. Let me read Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel, who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishatham, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishatham. Verse 11, so the land had rest for 40 years. Then I'll turn from there to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus speaking. Always good to have some words directly from our Savior. Amen? Especially on the work of the Spirit. Jesus speaking. Speaking to the woman at the well, he said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such worth, and God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus speaking. Then, in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord... And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they multiplied. The comfort of the Holy Spirit, they multiplied. And then lastly, 
appropriate for the day that we are here today, here on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Uh, first in Jude, we are told, in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, but beloved, you building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And then John, finally in Revelation 1, here on this Sunday, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, in the Spirit. Now, he already had the Holy Spirit, but he said he was in the Spirit. What does that mean? He already had the Holy Spirit indwelling, but he said he was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice and a trumpet. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that the same Holy Spirit we just have read of in these multiple passages, Lord, the same Spirit of the breath of God that breathed life into man, the same Spirit that came and descended upon the Lord Jesus Himself, the same Spirit that fell upon the men of old, the saints of old, and even continues to fall upon us by Your grace. Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would open our eyes, our ears, that You would soften our hearts, Lord, that You would do all that You had purposed to do among us today, and even more by Your mighty power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled our time in God's Word, Working in the Spirit. I didn't say walking in the Spirit, although that we could have as well. I said working in the Spirit. Why? Well, as we look at this man, Bezalel, that the Spirit of God filled him with all wisdom, with all understanding, with all knowledge. God filled him to do work. Didn't he? Now, it's careful that we never do work without the Lord because Psalm 127.1 tells us, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. Complete waste of time. Like I said, I don't ever want to waste a second or a minute here. By the way, I have wasted a second or a minute here before. I'm aware of that. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. You've wasted time today, I've wasted time today. I know I've wasted at least a second somewhere, right? One extra look in the mirror or something stupid, right? We all, but when it comes to building what God wants us to build. See, God is building the body of Christ, and he'll never waste a second, will he? And he'll never be done in vain. Every piece will be fit together. Every gift you have, every gift of the Spirit, every natural God-given talent, I wouldn't say natural because none of them are natural, they're all supernatural. I'm, even, I'm not talking about even spiritual gifts, I'm talking about if you have a gift of being an artist and you didn't create the gift, you just had it, God gave it to you, amen? Whatever it is. But unless the Lord, and this is particularly true of those of us who are saved, unless the Lord builds what we're doing, we labor in vain. Now, that's obviously true of the unsaved world, too, because everything they build is building on what? Sand. And eventually the high winds will come, the earthquakes will come, and it'll all be reduced to rubble, and Jesus will say, why didn't you build on me? I would have built it for you. I would have filled you with my spirit. The tabernacle, they had already been given all the commands of the materials, the dimensions, everything had been given. Hey, just go do it. Oh, whoa, 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 time out. One thing needed here. All of you that are going to do the building need to be filled with the Spirit of God. 
We see this in the book of Acts when they're looking for men that would be deacons. It said you had to find men that were filled with the Spirit of the Lord. You couldn't just take men that actually did good work. Because there's a lot of men out there that do good work. Amen? Some of them are millionaires. Some of them are billionaires. Why don't we just hire them to run the church? Right? They know all the stuff. They could, get, they could make this place big fast. Hire some marketing people, do this, do that, right? God said, no, 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 I, I, give the, I give the instructions, I give the materials, all these things. Remember the gold, the silver, the jewels, God gave all that to Israel. That was given by the Lord as they went to leave Egypt. They, left with, they would have left as paupers, they were slaves, and instead God puts on the hearts of the Egyptians to unload their retirement on them but they didn't know what all that was for. Some of it would make it into the promised land, but much of it would be God's own tabernacle. And then probably supernaturally, other materials were given to them even in the desert that we don't even are told about. It seems even miraculous that they could even build this thing in the middle of the desert. But God says, even even beyond all the miraculous work I've done, the parting of the Red Sea, bringing you to this place, beyond all of that, you still will need the Spirit of the Lord now do the work. Even if you could do it by your own intellectual power, I don't want you to do it by your own intellectual power. We're always tempted to do everything in our power, aren't we? And Jesus said these kinds come through prayer and fasting. Yes, you can try and do it in your own strength, but God wants us to work. Whatever that work is, we're all called to work. It's a very dangerous thing to be lazy, Jesus said, cast the lazy and unprofitable servant into outer and everlasting darkness. So we don't want to be lazy. But even if we're not going to be lazy and we're going to say, yes, Lord, we will work for you, you don't want to do it in just your own strength. You want to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I certainly don't want to do it in my own strength. I want to be filled with the Lord. This man was filled with the Lord, and so were the artisans that God had raised up to work with him. They were just as important to the Lord as Moses was, as Aaron was, as the priesthood was. Notice, not everyone's called to be a priest. These guys were called to cut precious jewels. They were called to fashion gold. You may be called to crunch numbers. Maybe you're a bean counter in the world, right? Maybe you're a admiral. I don't think any of you are, because I think I recognize. But in the U.S. military, like Admiral Lee, stay-at-home mom, grandparent that's an empty nester that just prays for your grandkids. Whatever your vocation, you know, whatever your vocation is in life, not everyone's called to pastor a church. Not everyone's called to be an evangelist. Not everyone's called to have a prophet ministry. All these things, but Everyone's called to be a workmanship for the Lord. Not only will they do the work of workmanship, but they themselves become a workmanship. The tabernacle is God's workmanship. The body of Christ is his workmanship. But all of it will be done, as I just read these other verses, notice whether it was the New Testament church, whether it was ancient Israel defeating their enemies, whether it was a woman at the well that just needed to learn, how do I worship God? Jesus and the Father and the Spirit say, through my spirit every time. Whether it's John, whether it's Jude, whether it's 
you, know, you name it. Daniel, David. If you're taking notes, three sections that we'll look at briefly this morning, found directly from the text, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge. God wants us to work, work in the Spirit, work in the Spirit, labor in the vineyard in the Spirit, the vineyard being the sphere that we live in until we die, in the Spirit, but in a spirit of wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge. This wisdom, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, knowledge. Uh, we had the benefit, a few of us, the elders and a couple of men, that we went up to the East Coast Pastors Conference uh, earlier this week. And it was a tr- not only a tremendous, and, and I say that as a massive understatement, not only is it a tremendous blessing for me personally, I know the other men that were there, uh, close to a thousand men, but for me, uh, God had me there at just the right time, and really, I, I see throughout my life, God always has things for me at just when I need them. Uh, the Lord has impressed upon me in the last several weeks um, the necessary importance of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, in this place, and in the body of Christ in America. Because the church in in the book of Acts, it exploded with the work of the Spirit. With the Holy Spirit drenching, baptizing individuals, baptizing the church, pouring out that power, and then we had just the, uh, the very timely, very needed, very orchestrated and divine timing of the Lord to have, you know, Pastor Lewis Neely speak on it. And then Damien, Kyle, I, I, I would turn to Isaiah 11, but I, I don't want to even uh, trip up the value of that message that he preached from the book of Revelation and Isaiah 11 on the work of the Spirit of the Lord and the dead church of Sardis. And by the way, the church of Sardis, as he outlined well, the church of Sardis would have never looked dead to anybody from the outside. It was teeming with activity. Fantastic worship. Bible studies, home Bible studies, group, fellowship, kids groups, college and career, you name it, they did it all. And and God said that they were dead. It was all in their own flesh. Wood, hay, and stubble. Hard to believe. Uh, But when you watch it, Damien does it way better. He talks, and when Jesus says dead, dead as a corpse, he goes, that's clarity in teaching. What's called clarity in teaching. Not Not only that you would be understood but not misunderstood. Jesus said, no, this is a dead church. Don't be fooled by all the activity. And I don't believe we're a dead church, but I believe we have people here that are walking dead that aren't filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like in Sardis, Jesus said there were some that were still walking in white. They actually, there was a few, Jesus said a few, not a lot, there was a few of them that were walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, but collectively it was a dead church. Uh, I think we have a number of folks here that are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, but I know that we have many that are, that are dead. There's no power in your life. There's no genuine joy. There's no peace that flows like a river because it's not done in the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to, the same as he did here in Exodus 31, he wants to pour and fill with the power of his Holy Spirit for all that we're called to do. This wisdom first this man, Bezalel, filled with the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God? Well, 
It's walking in obedience to the Word of God and hearing the voice of God. Because there's a lot of... Uh, you heard Admiral Lee talk about all the books of leadership. Some of you have read them, too. And they're good. And matter of fact, their best parts... I always think this is funny... The best parts of those books are biblical principles that even the authors didn't realize were biblical principles. You ever notice that? They'll come up with a genius statement. I'm like, uh, Proverbs has been saying that for a couple thousand years. But now you're on the bestseller list because you just named... And so it's not that they're not valuable. They just reinforce what the Scriptures already say. But wisdom of God, walking in His obedience, walking in the Word of God, hearing from God... And knowing with confidence, with an unwavering confidence, that I know his plan for my life. Not every detail for my life. I know his plan for my life. People get tripped up because they don't, oh, every detail. Jesus, don't, don't even worry about tomorrow. Today is sufficient for itself. Well, if you don't hear God's voice now, for your daily walk, you certainly wouldn't hear it for the longer, larger, down-the-road plan for your life. But I have a confidence in His plan for my life, and you should as well. And we have learned by obeying His Word and by hearing His voice to walk in purity and in grace. And we're going to get to the, the necessary work of the Spirit with this as well, but... But this is what wisdom is. Wise men and women of the Bible, would you, would you agree with me that the wise men and women of the Bible heard the voice of God? Read the Word of God? Walked in the Word of God? Walked in purity? Walked in grace? Walked in truth? This, the Father is speaking, speaking spirit and truth. You can never have just an emphasis on the Holy Spirit without the Word of God. That's truth. And you can never have just an emphasis on the Word of God without the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, Spirit and truth, do not separate them. They are hand in hand, because by the way, Jesus is the Word. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He's actually the Spirit of Christ. And they go forward together in our lives. Now, but, but, uh, Bezalel had already received the Word or the truth, and now he was receiving the power of the Spirit to execute it. It's in walking in the wisdom of God that we're able to understand the Spirit-led. Then the Spirit will give us that understanding of prioritization, strategy, division of responsibility in our lives, and, and, and even in the lives of others that we've been entrusted to, whether they be children, whether they be military soldiers, whether they be, co uh, whether they be employees. Uh, the wisdom of the Lord gives us this understanding of what we should be doing with the time God has given us. Because this is a big task to do all this work. The garments, I mean, you talk about a project manager of all of this. It's a big task. It has to be done, it has to be done according to the Lord's guidance. The spirit of wisdom gives us God's help in decision-making. You ever need God's help in making a decision? I just told you one a few minutes ago. Lord, do you want me to show this video? I didn't have, I knew, not the video content. I knew God was approving of the content. It was the time. 
Do you want me to, is this valuable time that I'd be wasting or using? And I got confirmation. Show it. Don't keep silent. Let your folks know that I want them all to speak in their workplaces too. And most of you, praise the Lord, hopefully are not being threatened by lawyers yet. Right? I hope you're not. But you might be someday. Or your HR department. Right? Yeah, they're, they're big time these days. Or your neighbor. You know? God will say, you know, we're not talking about being obnoxious. We speak the truth in love, don't we? We love people. I have people that disagree with every single thing I believe in that I maintain relationships with. Isn't that awesome? I, 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 can, I, I see my relationship, I can, I can think of a few people in my head right now that I have maintained a relationship that would disagree with almost every single thing that I would ever preach, teach. Some are family members, some are former co-workers, and I still can have lunch with them, email with them, text with them, because I still show them love. I do, and I hope you do too. And that maintains that opportunity that we could someday... Instead of walking together and me be raptured and them to be left behind, they would also be raptured with me and with you. That we'd walk in wisdom. But the wisdom of man is so different, isn't it? The wisdom of man is his own creation. I tweeted out not long ago a quote from a guy by the name of Herschel York. He's a pastor, preacher, professor in Kentucky. I tweeted this out. He said, uh, when people tell me they take the Bible seriously but not literally, I take their words literally but not seriously. <laughs> now, when, I pro- when, you, when you process that thought, that's not the way you... No, what that means is with a grain of salt. I still love people that don't believe in the Bible at all. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. How in the world would you ever be able to talk to people, witness people, relate to people, say, well, you don't believe the Bible, so I can't. That's not what the point is. The point is that I would be able to know that their, their viewpoint is coming from a godless point of view. It's not coming from the standpoint of real wisdom. It's coming from the standpoint, the same way Eve would deceive in the garden, it's coming from the enemy. They don't know that, but that's the reality. And so therefore, uh, you know, like I said, if we had a need in this church that could be filled by talent, we could go hire an unsaved person to do it, couldn't we? But that's not what God wants. He wants wisdom, understanding from the Lord. A man without wisdom from God, truly led by the Spirit of God, doesn't have the necessary power and authority to speak for God. This is particularly the case for men called to be pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets and and leaders in the body of Christ. Uh, By the way, those are often overlapping responsibilities. That list I just gave, in my life, I have to do a little bit of all those things at different times. Sometimes God changes the hat and I didn't know it until I'm midway through a conversation. Charles Spurgeon, speaking on the imperative work of the Spirit, Speaking through us as men, and he's speaking particularly to pastors here, he said, let the preacher always confess before he preaches that he relies upon the Holy Spirit. Let him burn his manuscript and depend on the Holy Spirit. 
If the Spirit does not come to help him, let him stand still. Let the people go home and pray the Spirit will visit him next Sunday. You guys might like it if I send you home one Sunday. Say, uh, I, I'm not ready, go home and pray for me. Right? He's making a strong point that many pulpits, the Spirit isn't there. That's the point he's making. In teaching, we call that making the point really strong. But he said something to believers that are not called to be pastors, which is most people. He said to the believers not called to be pastors or even Christian leaders or teachers, he said, those of you that are children of God, to you, this promise, what promise? The power of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the message earlier that he was preaching. To you, this promise is especially made. Ask God to make of you all that the Holy Spirit of God can make of you. Not only as a satisfied believer who is drunk for himself, but a useful believer who overflows the neighborhood with blessing. You have nothing to give unless you've received. You have no power, no peace, no joy, unless you've received those things. And if you've received the wisdom of God and the understanding of God and the knowledge of God, then when God puts a group around you like Bezalel had these other men, he could mentor them, teach them, lead them, move them in the building of the things that God himself would be well pleased. What about understanding? In understanding. Understanding, what is that? Well, understanding from a godly perspective is hearing the counsel and leading of God. Hearing God's counsel. One of Jesus' names is Wonderful Counselor. Once you have Jesus as your counselor, you will need less and less and less and less and less and less of counseling. Because you have a wonderful counselor. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't get... I'm talking about... I'm talking about the kind of counseling where you're sitting across a desk from somebody. You'll always get counsel. You're getting counsel today from this message, from God's Word. I get counsel constantly from other men that I listen to. I get counsel sometimes where you guys might have said something to you that you didn't know was counsel, but the Lord told me, did you hear that? I get it from my spouse, and I praise the Lord for it. And, And vice versa, I will give it to her. But, so that kind of counsel will continue throughout your life. But I'm talking about people that are, you know, man, I just need to constantly run over here and get more. You know, t- tell me what I should do. Run around and have other people. T- God will tell you. He will lead you. The Spirit of God, this is a big task. But notice that even though at the end of the day, Moses will be responsible for the final look of the tabernacle, Notice Moses is not even pictured here running around chasing Baziel around. I think I just said his name wrong, but you know what I mean. These Hebrew names are tough for a guy like me. The opposite of understanding, the opposite of understanding is laid out among other places, is laid out in the scriptures among other places. One of those places is Deuteronomy 32. This is the opposite of understanding. Uh, Now, God is speaking of Israel's 
intense rebellion, and this is what he said. For they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. There's a key right there. One of the keys of understanding, having the Lord's counsel, is being a person that has faith. Jesus said, only be believing. Not of everything you hear, but everything you hear from God in his word. Key number one. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. Here's another hindrance to understanding. You love other things more than you love God. You won't hear his voice. You've got distractions, weights, even idolatry. For they are a nation void of counsel. In their lack of faith, not believing the word of God, in pursuing other idols, they don't, they're void of counsel. They also don't listen to people who are godly, giving them counsel. Are you teachable? If God would give you counsel through another person who, who you verify, Lord, that person loves you and they're trying to tell me the truth, would you receive it? This became a nation void of counsel. The prophets would speak and they would do this. That's what they would do. They were void of counsel. For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. That's the opposite of understanding. No understanding. Because they listen to their own selves. They set up their own little gods of wisdom, right? They set up their own people. This is why Paul would later write that eventually, in the latter days, we're here. We've been here since Peter stood up at Pentecost. But we're way... If Peter, remember, I say often, if Peter spoke at Pentecost... To use one of my football analogies, we're late in the fourth quarter, folks. I don't know if the two-minute warning has sounded or if we're getting close to the two-minute warning, but I believe we're late in the fourth quarter. And then Paul writes to Timothy saying, when it comes to understanding, people won't want understanding, and so they'll heap up for themselves teachers that give them the counsel they want. Not the counsel that God wants them to have, the counsel they want. You know, it's a very beautiful thing for Moses and Aaron not, ha- not to have to corral and coach Bezalel because Bezalel is filled with the same spirit that they're filled with. They will be in the right level. Bezalel will be in the right level of submission to Moses and Aaron. He'll be in harmony with Moses and Aaron. Right? It's a beautiful thing when God puts... He does it in marriages. He does it in moms and dads and kids, doesn't he? When the Spirit of the Lord is there, peace is there, isn't there? Harmony is there. Unity, like oil running down the beard of Aaron. That anointing we talked about last week. True understanding comes from the Lord. Psalm 111.10 I'm going to read three verses, and I'll point out three things that God reveals in his word about understanding. First one is Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have those that do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Point number one, understanding comes first from a proper fear of the Lord. Would you agree with that? Do you want understanding? Have a proper fear of the Lord. Proper fear of the Lord says, Yes, Lord, I will obey and do what you say because you are holy, you are mighty, you are worthy. 
I don't even understand why you're asking me to do some of these things. I've not been, let's say you haven't been saved long enough, you haven't understand the theological or the spiritual importance, but you say, yes, I have the fear of the Lord. He'll begin to give you understanding. Counsel. How do you handle that situation at work that's a, that's a quagmire? How do you handle these things? How do you handle a certain family, family situation? How do you know what to say? I, I, had a, I got a call, as some of you were here on Wednesday night, I won't mention it, Casey, listen, but uh, devastating news. I needed to hear from the Lord, what do I say? What do I say? I don't want to just make up what I think you should say, Lord, what do you want me to say? But I have to have the fear of the Lord first. Number two. Number two, he says in Psalm 119.34, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Number two, after you have the fear of the Lord, you have to ask God for it. Did you notice in my own prayer, it was just a cry out, Lord, what do I say? Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. And sit here this morning. Lord, do you want me to play this? Is it a waste of valuable time? You ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Amen? When my kids need something, they ask me. We have problems when they don't ask sometimes. We have to train that if you ask, we'll respond. If you do without asking, we could have problems. Even if sometimes if it's a good thing. Parents have realized, I know you meant well, but that now we're going to be 15 minutes late. You ever had one of those, parents? I know you meant well. So God always wants us to ask. Fear of the Lord? Ask for his help. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the drenching of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the filling and the wisdom of the Spirit. And then the third, Psalm 119, 104, through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Hmm. You have to stay in God's word to get understanding. Well then, what happens is that this is a circle that never ends. If I'm in his word, I start to have more faith. If I have more faith, I have more fear of the Lord. If I have more fear of the Lord, I ask him for everything. The more I ask him, the more I'm in relationship with him. The more I'm in relationship with him, I'm back in the word again. The more I'm back in the word again, my faith grows. The more my faith grows, then I become more spirit-filled. The more spirit-filled I become, then I fear him even more. Then I'm asking him for bigger things. And you see that the power and God grows in our life in understanding. And you need it in all kinds of understanding. Daniel 5.11, we know Daniel was a man of understanding. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God, and in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. What they were saying is, we've not seen any way in our kingdom with all of their demonic power that has this man's understanding. Does your, do the people that know you see the understanding of God in your life? They may not. I, I told you since when I, when I left Microsoft, and if any of them ever listen to this message, I'm fine with it. It's, I've said many things there that I've said here. <laughs> so, um, but when I left the company, uh, it, didn't, it, it took me about six months to realize that I was tolerated but not so much loved and liked. 
as much as I thought I was. I thought because we talked about football and we talked about this, we talked about that, that I was genuinely liked. I wasn't. And it wasn't because of me. Because naturally everyone would love and like me. (laughs) You know, I'm kidding. But it's, Jesus said, it's not you they hate, it's me they hate. But that's not the question. The question is, would they see understanding? And I can point to numerous times where that has proved true. Not to say, and again, I hope in your, I hope in your life that maybe your family thinks you're weird now that you're a born-again believer. But do they think they see something in you that says, it's amazing what they're accomplishing, how they're doing it. The decisions they make, they seem oddball, but we've been watching them for five years, and they seem to be working. And what, you give 10% of your income to God? Plus you give to missions and stuff? That, you know, it's a good way to go broke. Right? Meanwhile, they hide the fact that they are in credit card debt from you. And they are the ones that are not walking in wisdom. But, but do people see a discerning spirit in you? Do you have a discerning spirit? Are you able to tell, you know, my, uh, my quote that I love from Spurgeon, discernment isn't knowing right from wrong, it's right from almost right. Because a lot of things in life are, appear almost right. It's the almost right that Damien Kyle was talking about. He goes, every time... Oh, no, Don McClure is talking about it. Every time that I've had the discernment of God and I've kind of said, oh, because he said him and his wife, this was so funny, he said him and his wife were praying about uh, selling the house. And they both, they came up with a number and, um, and the number came back and it was off of, you know, a home, let's say the home was $250,000, whatever. The, the price that the offers came back was only 500 over the number they had. He goes, close enough. But the Spirit had put a real number there. He said that we ended up regretting that decision. Right? Because the discernment of God is not just right, but right and almost right. And almost right matters when you're making like the Ark of the Covenant. Don't you think? Ah, close enough. Right? We're cutting the jewels for the priest's uh, uh, a breastplate. Close enough. Discernment says, no, 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 let's stop and pray about this. Do we just stop and pray often enough? Or do we just say, I'm going to type this email right back. Even the world knows you wait 24 hours to send an email when you're upset, Right? I got that in corporate America. Wait 24 hours to sit on it if you're not sure, right? The Holy Spirit will do better than that for you. He'll not only help you wait, he'll even give you the right thing to say, or he might say, say nothing at all. Hey, we really hate that, don't we? When he says, say nothing at all. But Lord, the things I could proclaim here, the way I could explain it, They wouldn't have a leg to stand on when I'm done. Even Jesus, in front of Pilate, opened not his mouth, did he? 
The Spirit said, no, 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 not right now. You've said all in your ministry that needs to be said. Now your death will speak volumes, right? But that's discernment, that's understanding, knowing what to reject, what to receive. We've got to test every spirit. And we'll close ever so briefly here with in knowledge, in knowledge. True knowledge. Knowledge of the Lord. True knowledge is knowledge of the Lord, knowledge from the Lord through the Spirit of the Lord. That's what true knowledge is. Yes, God will give you other types of knowledge, but He wants to start there. Jesus is called the cornerstone, isn't He? Right? We were in Israel. And when we're walking around the temple and under the city, you see not only the cornerstone, which is actually Mount Moriah itself. It's an amazing thing. I never knew it until I went there. The cornerstone of the temple is the mountain itself. They just cut the mountain so it looks like a, 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 a rectangle, but it's not a laid stone. The stone was there. So Jesus is the cornerstone. And he's the cornerstone of everything. He's the cornerstone of your career. He's the cornerstone of your marriage. He's the cornerstone of your standing or usefulness in the community. He's the cornerstone of anything, everything that you can possibly think of. He is the cornerstone. Now, this man, Bezalel, had some incredible gifts and talent, knowledge that God has specially given him. Out there in the desert, We don't know what his knowledge of these things were before, when he got them, but he became incredibly gifted by God in metalworking and working with jewels. And I don't know about you, but could any of you tomorrow build any of the things he built? Probably not. Some of you might have some. Some of you might be pretty good at woodworking or carpentry, and you could give it a yeoman's effort. But this kind of knowledge that God gave him was extraordinary. That's why he's referenced here. It's kind of like Mozart given knowledge of understanding music that is a well, beyond the, a well above the norm. Would you not agree? Some people have the ability to speak multiple languages. We know the Apostle Paul spoke probably five, maybe more. God-given ability, Right? I'm still learning to speak one. Especially when they throw in a Hebrew word or two on me. But God-given ability. But but it is a force multiplier. It's exponentially more powerful with the gifts God's given you, whether they be carpentry, whether they be car... uh, You know how to fix cars, whether they be speaking multiple languages. If your knowledge is first in the Lord... God will blow it out. He'll blow the doors off. And your usefulness for the kingdom of God. The reverse is also true. Do you guys remember this guy named, by the name of Solomon? David's son? He asked for wisdom, didn't he? And God gave him wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in abundance, and even gave it to him in the Spirit of the Lord. But he did the things that I said would be the hindrance idolatry. He no longer believed the things that God told him. He walked away. He followed the idols of others. And in that process, 
a man that had been given more intellectual knowledge, we believe, course God said it, than any person that's ever lived. Kings and magistrates would come from the world over just to hear him talk for a few minutes. Expound on anything. Botany, animals, math, science, literature. And he became completely idolatrous and useless to God. Isn't that sad? That everything was vanity after a while to him. Made no sense. Here's a guy that can make sense for everybody and not his life didn't make any sense. Because he walked away from all the things God said, said, remain in my precepts. Remain in faith. Remain in the power of the Holy Spirit. Working in the Spirit, Solomon. Not working in... Because God will give people incredible gifts and abilities in other areas beyond the spiritual gifts. I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit here. You might have a gift of faith or a gift of hospitality, gift of tongues, all these things. But I'm talking about then God then says, all right, you also need practical skills and ability. God's given me throughout my life the ability to do public speaking. I did it in the business world. I did it when I was in media, and I've done it as as a pastor. But it's not, I don't know of a spiritual gift of speaking. There is one of teaching. But so you get practical gifts and talents for your work in the world, and you get the spiritual gifts. But then on, when you have the knowledge and the Spirit of the Lord, God amplifies it. Don't you want to be amplified in your life? That you don't need a bullhorn to be amplified. God amplifies because, you know, Peter walking along, his shadow is hitting people. You talk about an amplification of the Spirit. Peter, uh, your shadow just hit someone and they got healed. What? You know? That's amazing stuff. God wants to amplify it. So, uh, Proverbs 2.5, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord again. It's imperative for knowledge. It's imperative for understanding. I'll close with uh, you know, one of my... Um, one of my... I-, I love history. One of the guys that I love that, that uh, did incredible work in his sphere that God gave him is George Washington Carver. You guys know who he is, right? If you love peanut butter like I do, as I was making yesterday homemade chocolate peanut butter ice cream and, and our homemade ice cream thing, I always thank God for George Washington Carver at those times. <laughs> because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and peanut butter was born. <laughs> he, But... He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't a pastor. But he really shined for the Lord wherever he went, whatever he did. A professor and scientist at Tuskegee Institute. Um, he said some amazing things. One of the things he said in his lifetime, he said, we have become 99% money mad. The method of living at home modestly and within our income, laying aside a little systematically for the proverbial rainy day, which is due to come, he said that. That wasn't, my, that wasn't my... He said, which is due to come. Can almost be listed among the lost arts. Notice he wasn't talking to wealthy people there. Because he said 99% of all Americans that he had come into contact with in his lifetime, and he lived from 1864 to 1943, 
In his lifetime, he said, 99% of the people that I have met do not live within their means. They can't live modestly. They must keep up with the Joneses. They must have more. They cannot live mo- Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives you restraint. The Holy Spirit gives you restraint. He gives you the uh, ability for self-denial and resisting the flesh and, and all of these things. But even in his job, he said, when I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered, that knowledge is for me alone. So I said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. And God said, well, George, that's more your size. (laughs) Isn't that great? Notice he was asking God, though. Believing in God. Asking for big things. And God says, the big thing isn't going to help, but I'll do amazing. If, if, if I show you the things about the peanut that only I know, and it gives you a platform to speak at universities all across the country about me, who would think that a peanut could put him in a position to speak about God? And he did. And God would do these things. You know, I stud- I've been studying for the last couple of years the life of D.L. Moody because of all that God did with him, starting with the crisis of the Civil War and continuing on. And then later when he... Uh, I'll tell you the story later. I don't want to tell it today about how he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing story. He rarely told it. It was so powerful he thought he would nearly die of joy. Literally. He said, I thought I would die of joy. I had to God- have God's hand stay upon- off me. Pull off me. But that- that's not... What I want to tell, but he knew that God had a calling for every single person in their sphere. His friend John Farwell was used amazingly to finance the Sunday school ministry in the Sands, which was the worst neighborhood in Chicago. His, his friend John Farwell financed his, his ability to go down and preach in Civil War camps. Now, John Farwell was a businessman, but he loved the Lord. And he helped mightily in the raising up the YMCA, back when the YMCA was truly teaching people the Bible. Young Men Christian Association. And then he, he actually, when he w- was preaching in the Civil War camps, he met a general, white beard, kind of like, like Colonel Sanders, named O.O. O. Howard. And O.O. Howard lost his arm in the Civil War. And D.L. Moody, uh, the man was so impressed with the power of God in D.L. Moody's life that he latched on to D.L. Moody and said, and Moody would invite him to, this general, to, in full military uniform to come up and preach the gospel at some of D.L. Moody's uh, uh, church events and, and crusades and things of the like. And he even wanted to give up the military to go into full-time ministry and said, D.L. said, no, no, no. We need men like you in the military. I, you're better. And then L.O. Howard, because of his ministry in the military, he ended up having such a successful career and he loved people of all America. He loved and wanted to help the black community in America that was downtrodden, and he founded Howard University. I never knew that. Did you know that? O.O. Howard, a soldier in the army, but he became a general. But because he loved people, and D.L. said, no, I need you in the military. He said, John Farwell, you are used of God in the business world. I will be over here. You be over here. But let's all shine a light for the Lord and let's all do the metal work and the diamond cutting and the priestly garments in the power of the Holy Spirit where we're at. Amen? Let's close in prayer.